There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Yellow Block, still in quarantine. I'm Jared and I'm joined by Tim. Evening. And we're delighted to be joined by posh legend and recently inducted into the Yellow Block's Greatest Eleven, Mr Craig McCall-Smith. How are you, Craig? I'm very well, thank you. How are you guys? All good, mate. Yeah, really glad to have you on. Um, are you not sick of podcasts yet? You've done a fair few in quarantine, haven't you? No, it's good. It's good. It's good to get out and, and talk. And it, I said to someone the other day, it's, it's really interesting because it kind of brings up different memories of different games and um, just loads of different. You, you have to think about loads of different things you don't really normally think about. So no, I'm, I've really enjoyed it. Happy day. I know when we we all discussed about who we wanted on next, and obviously you was top of the list. But then I looked, I seen your social media, and thought, oh, he's done it. You know, he's done a load. I thought he's not going to fancy doing any more. But no, <laughs> great, great, great to have you here, mate. Um, other than podcasts, how have you been keeping busy during lockdown? Um, I've been trying to entertain my kids every day, which is which is hard work. For the last three months, every day has had to be something different. And um, I think we've been very lucky with the weather, so it's allowed us to kind of get outside and, and do do stuff outside. And um, and also just trying to keep fit, kind of trying to keep on top of things. So I've had uh, quite a fair few things to do. Um, it's just been nice to kind of have this amount of time spent at home, really. I mean, I think a lot of people have seen it um, as a bit of a blessing in disguise. Obviously, it's terrible what's gone on, but the time we've all had with our families, which we wouldn't normally have, like I say, that that can't be a bad thing, can it? No, it's been it's been it's been lovely. Obviously, the kids out of school, so we're trying to do some lessons to them and um, kind of just watching them grow up and things I'd probably miss. Um, uh, we'll probably be just about in the off season now, so I'd see a bit more. But obviously, my my oldest would be at school, so yeah, just kind of seeing the things that they're doing, seeing them grow up has been has kind of been a nice break. Happy days. Well, we'll be talking to Craig about his career at Posh, um, as well as all the other clubs he's been at. Um, but before we begin, I'd like to take this opportunity to tell you about a new initiative um, called the Fan Hub, which the Yellow Block is excited to be a member of. Fan Hub believe that fans deserve more for the part they play, and they're building a fan-centric app that will empower the fan experience by essentially rewarding the fans' loyalty. 
The app will have a leaderboard of the best fans, earning points by things like checking in at games, listening to a podcast, or predicting a lineup. Increase your fan score and top the weekly leaderboards to earn real rewards. You can join the Fan Hub mailing list today to be kept up to date with the launch of the app and to be entered into a draw to win a free shirt. Go to joiners.fan-hub.com and enter your email address. It is that simple. Join us on our mission to put fans first. You're, and it's like I was saying the other day, George, your reading's coming on really well. We're really proud of how your reading's <laughs> developed. <laughs> Three months. That's what I've been doing, Craig. I've been just practicing me reading. (laughs) Be colouring in the lines in no time. (laughs) We need to start with um, the elephant in the room, with everything that was announced yesterday. Now, Stevenage have been relegated and Wickham find themselves in the playoffs. Obviously, you have affinity to, or you have an affiliation, I should say, with both clubs and Posh. What are your thoughts with everything that's happening at the moment? Yeah, it's been been a really difficult situation, obviously, uh, the, the corona... Uh, virus has kind of just come come into it, and it's never never been seen. No one's ever kind of been in this situation with football, so um, it's been really difficult. I think for the powers that be to kind of work out uh, the right way to do it, because someone's always going to miss out. Someone, it's not going to work out for for someone. Obviously, um, as you say, I was at Stevenage this season, and at this moment in time, they look like they they're going to be relegated um, due to the season being finished. Um, I think Macclesfield might have some points to be deducted. So obviously that, that may make a difference. I, I don't know. Um, with regards to Wickham, they've obviously made it into the playoffs through the, the, the points per game. Um, I think uh, way the EFL have done it and obviously Peterborough missed out. So it's it's just been a really difficult situation. As I said, someone someone was going to miss out. Someone was going to be happy that it was done that way. It's a shame because there was 10 games to go. There was, there was such a, a lot of football to be played and a lot of points to be won. Um, but I think hindsight you look at it and you say maybe this is the fairest way to do it um because with kind of the restrictions that's been put on uh the football at the moment yeah it's, it's, it's been it's been a tough pill to swallow for posh fans i think it still is we're all still quite bitter and angry with the way that it played out yesterday and, and teams voting not to play football that are now going to be playing football in the playoff um it must be must be difficult for you and i know there's a few other players that have got uh, you know connections to other clubs, and it and it puts it must be a real mixture of emotions with you you personally um, and and kind of the Wickham connection. What what does your future hold? Are you expecting to stay at Wickham? Where do you think you'll be come the start of the new season? Um, I'm out of contract in July. Um, I don't know the situation with regards to Wickham. I've I've been on loan at Stevenage all season. Um, it's just it's just really it's quite a difficult situation for, for, for myself and maybe a lot of other players that are kind of out of contract because for, we've missed 10 games of the season and like those 10 games could mean me getting a contract or not getting a contract somewhere yeah. um, so it's, it's really tough I don't know whether I'm allowed to to be involved with Wickham's uh, playoff games um, it's I don't know whether they've gone to the FA or they've spoke to them or the EFL whoever it is um, to decide that um, it's just put me in a very tr- tricky position um, to to what happens uh, regarding my contract um, situation next season. So um, hopefully I can I can be involved at Wickham. If not, then that's just the way it goes, and I've just got to kind of um, see where I can uh, get my football next season. Yeah, it must be that must be really 
horrible for you. If everything that's happening in the world anyway, and you can't plan going forward because you've got absolutely no idea what's happening after the summer. All I would say is there is a team in North Cambridgeshire that would quite happily um, start a crowdfunding campaign to get you there. But um, obviously that's slightly different. <laughs> no, it is, it's, it's, a, it's just a weird situation for everyone to say. I'm, I'm not the only one in, in this situation. Um, and it's kind of a, 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 a scary situation not knowing kind of like what the, the finances of clubs are going to have, whether they're going to put kind of, um, they're going to cut squads down, whether they're going to cut uh, budgets. Um, so it's just it's just a, a weird situation for, for everyone. Um, I'm trying to do my coaching badges and um, a thing called functional patterns, which is kind of um, like uh, functional movement um, kind of courses over the summer. But obviously with everything going on, I couldn't do that. So a little bits and pieces I wanted to put into place for, for my kind of future and what's coming in the future I haven't been able to do either so it's just been a, a really uh, difficult um, and interesting situation. So so as it stands then you're still not sure whether you'll be able to play in the playoffs? No I've not heard anything um, I think Wickham are, are looking into it, 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 it I'd hope they'd, they'd see sensibility and realise that I've actually contracted to Wickham to July um, I've only actually represented Stevenage, so I've only played for one club this season. Um, and I've obviously, due to the circumstances with, with uh, the pandemic and that, that with the 10 games being uh, cut off at the end of the season, I'd hope they'd think, not just myself, as for, for other players who are in the, the similar situation, to kind of allow them to be involved in the squads, which would, which would kind of allow them to kind of dictate their future a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Common sense has got to prevail on that one. Um, if we go back to the start of your, of your career, when did you know you wanted to become a professional footballer? Um, I think kind of 11, 12, 13 maybe. I think when younger than that, it was I'd enjoyed football, but I was a kid and I was into cartoons and all my Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. And, and football was just something fun to play. And as I got a bit older and you go into secondary school, um, obviously it, it becomes a bit more of a competition and you see, you kind of you start noticing football more. So I think around that age, I started to kind of um, take more of a notice of it and kind of start um, like really working towards like that becoming a career in the future. You started, um, you know, down in non-leagues, and you've had that that journey up through the leagues. We snatched you over from from Dagenham. How did that move come about? So, how did your move to to becoming uh, a posh player and subsequently becoming, you know, a, a legend at the club? How did that happen? How did the the move come about in the first place? Um, so, uh, John Steele was a manager at the time, um, and I was, I was doing pretty well. I think I had about fourteen goals in twenty odd games, and he just kind of pulled me and just and was and said like, "Peter, very interested. Um, would you like to go and, and speak to him and, and see what they have to say?" Um, and, and kind of find out whether you, you've got a feel for the club and you'd like to join them. Um, and I kind of knew about Peterborough. I knew, obviously, Aaron had gone there, uh, I think, beginning of, of that season. I think they, they were looking to sign Boydie. Um, so I, I kind of was seeing what they were doing, taking like, the, the, the good young players out, out of non-league and kind of building something. Um, I think I first went up there and uh, at the time, I think the manager was uh, Keith Alexander, um, and kind of sat down and had a chat with him, went away, and then obviously he he left, and then Fergie came in, so I, I went back again and had a chat with Fergie and kind of listened to what the the kind of um, the the plan was and where they wanted to go and what they were going to do. Um, but it was it was a difficult decision because I was loving my time at Dagenham. I'd been there for two and a half years. 
I've, I had a real affinity with the boys. We like we were building something. We were kind of I think when I did actually leave, we were, we were top of the league. So I was torn a little bit whether whether to leave because I felt like I wanted to carry on what I was doing with Dagenham. But then on the other side of it, but Peterborough were, were a lot bigger club, and and Peterborough's plan was obviously to move through the league. So it was kind of like in in the end, it was like that that is the, the right progression for my career. Because I remember at the time, um, everything seemed agreed, but it did seem to take a while. And obviously, you say there, it weren't an easy decision because you were so you were so comfortable at Dagenham. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I was just torn a little bit. Like I was, I was enjoying my football, and and I was lo- and I was loving where I was. I was, I was doing really well. I'd say the, the, it was a great bunch of lads, um, and I just felt really comfortable there. And I and I was looking forward to to achieving uh, something with Dagenham and, and taking them into the football league, but. Again, after kind of sitting down and, and talking to to my dad, and I, I had a, a good chat with Barry and um, and uh, Darren, it kind of like it puts things in perspective of actually like what they were building, where the club was going, what could be achieved, and yeah, it did take me a little bit of time to to kind of process it all, and there was a little bit of um and ah in at the time, um, but kind of eventually, it, I, I, once I put everything together, it was the right decision um, to move. When you joined the Posh, did you expect to go on to have the success that you that you went on to have? Um, no, I, I just I was just loved football. I was just I was a, a, a naive like lad who was just loving life. I did I kind of I wanted to be a footballer, and and I was 23 when I joined Posh, and it was kind of like at the time before that, it was just like just be a footballer, just enjoy what I was doing. Um, and so to go to Peterborough was just an amazing experience to, to, to be actually be a professional. Um, I was just, I just wanted to enjoy every moment. I knew how quickly it could change. Like I'd been kind of working in home base and, and at college and stuff like that. So I know, I knew what I could end up going, going back to. Um, and I didn't, I just wanted to enjoy every moment of the, the journey I was having. Yeah. I, I think all posh fans have got, positive memories of, of you being at the club and I think your your whole experience was was quite positive I remember though when um, obviously we cycled through a few managers post um, Fergie after his first day I know that when Jim Gannon came in uh, he didn't seem to favour you and a, a few of the other big names what what was that frustrating for you how did you cope with that that must have been upsetting because you were the first name on the team sheet prior to that how did you deal with that yeah, it was it was hard. It was really hard. Like it, it just came out of nowhere, really. Like I know we we were struggling a little bit um, that season. So we've gone through a few managers. Maybe not all of us. Maybe not performing the way we'd hoped to. Um, and then it, it just came out of nowhere. He came in and it, it kind of just completely froze me out. Um, no real explanation. Like no kind of explaining why. It was just like he just came in, d- just didn't like me, and 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 that was it. And we didn't really see eye to eye, um, so that was it. Was a it was a tough period. I, I it, it was hard mentally, kind of going from the success we had in the previous seasons, um, for then for someone to come in and, and like just completely kind of ignore you and and do that to you. Like I I, did, I wouldn't have minded if he'd come in and had an explanation and explained to me and kind of uh, kind of kept me within the squad and and so I understood what was going on. It was just a complete kind of cut off. So. That was a, that was a tough tough period um, to to go through. Um, at one point, I was very close to to leaving the club on loan to Reading, um, but Dara stopped that, and and then I think uh, Jim might have gone not along after that, and and then I just I just carried on again. 
Yeah, it must have been must have been tough emotionally to deal with that going from being like I say the kind of the, the one of the main names to to finding yourself on the bench, particularly with no explanation. That is that it must be tough to swallow. Hmm. Yeah, no explanation. Say if if there, if there was an uh, explanation and and I oh, hold my hands up, I wasn't like firing in all cylinders that season. I wasn't scoring lots of goals, and and I, I'm an honest guy, and and I can take criticism and I can take people's opinions, and if you come to me and say look you're not giving us what we need this is what you need to do to improve yourself and and get yourself back in the squad then then I'm more than happy I'll put my head down and I'll work towards that but to not kind of really say much to me and to say like kind of freeze me out it was that was it was hard to take we had Dara on the podcast um, a few weeks ago Craig and we spoke to him about that and he was saying obviously he doesn't pick the team but obviously you're involved in recruitment and everything else and Everyone can see that you were one of the best players at the time at the club, along with Ryan Bennett. And I think uh, Ryan got the same treatment. He wasn't wasn't favoured by Gannon. And he was saying from his point of view, it was could you the assets to the club as well, worth money. How frustrating it was from his point of view that you weren't getting the game time and subsequently not, not you know, not happy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, obviously, for, for Dara as a chairman... Um, it's trying not to tread on the manager's toes. Obviously, he's brought Jim in to, to do a job... Um, and, and obviously then, as you say, if he's not playing assets who, who are, are worth money and obviously can help the, the team, it's he's like he's in a very difficult position where he doesn't want to be involved too much, but he might have to get involved a bit to kind of ex- explain the situation and, and try and remedy the situation. So, yeah, it must have been it must have been tough on his side. And obviously, you say, Benno had a bit of a, uh, a rough treatment as well. Um, and But again, it's, it's, it's football. Uh, you know, you're not going to get on with everyone um, the manager's are always going to come in, and it, I think it's just how you mentally um, uh, adjust to that and and take that on board and and, and use it. And obviously, um, myself and obviously Benno's done fantastic and, and and pushed on from that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 99 goals later for the posh, you leave the club. Obviously on a massive high after the win at Old Trafford. Was it... Obviously, you went on to Brighton, big club, and fantastic opportunity for you. But was it quite difficult to leave the posh at that at that time? Yeah, yeah, it was. It, 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 obviously, to get promoted back into the championship, um, uh, a club that I love, like a, a team that was that was doing really, really well. Um, I was I was really torn. I was really torn whether whether to stay or or, or whether to to kind of kind of push on. Um, and it was just a case of like I just felt that with Brighton, they just. They, I felt like they were kind of really gearing up to to go into the Premier League. They they got a new ground. They were they were pushing with, with the squad. Um, I just felt it was the right time, um, kind of to leave on a high and and kind of go into the kind of the next chapter of my career. 
Mm. I suppose in many aspects, it was quite similar to when Posh come in for you when you were with Dagenham. You've got a, a bigger club coming in, um, you know, with, with with a drive to go further on. It's, it's similar in that in that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it, it was it, again. It was just it was just trying to weigh everything up. And and as I said, like I was, I, I love Posh and and obviously the season we had. It was it was amazing to be promoted back into the championship and. As I said, just I just felt at the time that that, that Brighton's kind of where they were pushing, like the, the, again the stadium they just built, the facilities they were kind of putting in, in place. I just felt that they were kind of moving in a direction of trying to get out of the Championship into the the Premiership. So I just felt it was just kind of the, the apt time to to move. It was a really exciting time for Brighton, and I know you were linked with loads of different names. And as fans, it seemed like Brighton was the left field decision. Really, it kind of came out of nowhere. But um, looking back. Do you were you happy with that decision? Did you enjoy your time down on the south coast? What's your kind of thoughts on your time at Brighton? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You say like at the time, I think like the QPR came in, and then and then that didn't happen, which was obviously disappointing because they were in the Premier League at the time. And then, then I think I had Leicester and uh, West Ham, and I met both Sam Allardyce and Sven, and they just I don't know. It just it was just a weird meeting. They didn't really like. As a as a player, you've done really well. You, you just kind of want to feel loved and wanted by the club, and I just didn't feel like I got that from from them. And then they they, they kind of like went in different directions, and it's just the 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 time and effort and uh, that I spent with Gus. He just he, we must have spent three hours and going over like how they wanted to play, what what they wanted to do for me, like what how they wanted to build a team around me, and it was just like that's as a player after you kind of. Done, had the season you've had that's what you want you want someone to kind of like roll the red carpet out in a sense yeah. and show you what they were what they wanted to do and obviously with regards to the stadium and and the things they were putting in the background to, to kind of get to the Premier League it was it was kind of like the it felt the right place to go at that time um it, it didn't probably go how I wanted it to go um I think it kind of it was a little bit different to to Peterborough the way they played. I had to learn a lot, a, a lot of a lot of different way to play. I think with Peterborough, I was just very much just let me be on the shoulder, let me kind of just get the balls into the areas where I can be the the, main, the most threatening. And with Brighton, it became a little bit different. It was a lot more kind of measured. We kept the ball for long periods of time. Um, I spent more kind of time in my back to goal than I did kind of running into the into the channels. Um, so it was very kind of difficult to kind of. Um, go to a different way of playing. Um, it probably helped because I did learn a lot and I did learn different ways of playing. Um, but maybe, uh, like I think the best you the way of them getting what they like the Peterborough Craig was was playing to my strengths, and I don't think we did that too much. And then obviously to get injured and spend the amount of time I spent injured there kind of just made it a bit, bit difficult. But uh, I I chose that. I chose that, that to, to go there and and do the best I could and. Uh, that's just kind of the way the way it went. Everyone we've had on the podcast, Craig, um, speak really highly regarding Darren Ferguson. You got a similar opinion? Do you, do you rate him highly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like uh, under Fergie, we, like I had not probably my most uh, my best parts of my career. Um, he, he's a uh, a fantastic manager. Um, he sets his teams up really well. Obviously, through our period of time, we were just we were very very attacking. Um, and we had some fantastic players. Um, I think at the first time I was, I was there, obviously he was a young manager coming through himself. I think it's his first job. Um, so we kind of all, we were all growing together as a team. He was learning his way. We were 
young lads, most of us first-time professional contracts, so we were all learning our way in the game. So I think it, it gelled really, really well. Um, and uh, I think he's just he's kind of uh, kept a similar style of, of play with, with the, the diamond and stuff. And um, obviously been uh, pretty successful this season and I think obviously the season had kind of carried on probably would have ended up in the playoffs and, and, and maybe maybe automatic yeah it was a, it was a wonderful time for the club and, and obviously you'd always be remembered as part of that trio but more specifically that duo up front and, and we spoke to Aaron McLean recently and he said that you were a dream to play with and that you really complimented his style um same question to you what was McLean like for you and, and how did it work in in terms of why was that partnership so successful um, I, I think we just had such a great like uh, rapport with each other. Like we kind of spend all our time or most of our time with each other off the football pitch, like going for meals, like going out of our halves and stuff like that, doing doing loads of stuff together. Um, and I think we 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 had to work so hard. We played against each other in non-league. We like we obviously came through that route, so we. We, we wanted each other to, to be the best they could be and, and progress and, and go on. And I think we just we just wanted the, each other to be so successful that if I was going through one-on-one and I could square it to Aaron to score, I would I would have done it. it. It wouldn't have been a hesitation in my mind. And I think the same for him. And I think there was, a, like someone said, um, that we couldn't play together. And I think we're both very... Uh, strong-willed people that we want to prove the, uh, people wrong and, and, and I think that was what one of the, the driving forces uh, behind why we did so well. I was just about to say when when you guys were playing together that is one thing you, you don't see nowadays and with say if you, you say you're one-on-one and you would square it to McLean and he would do the same to you it's say that that's does that is rare and that's that shows your off the field and um, relationship a lot of fans rubbish that kind that side of the game that it's important that the players get on well off the pitch do you disagree with that do you think it is important to have a close relationship with the players um i think a bit of both i think like it's great to have a great relationship like i think the the peter team the, the first time i was there was just like everyone got on we we were we would go out together like everyone would come out like it wasn't just like one or two it, like the whole squad would be out and then like i think that shows as a team when you play like you're you go above and beyond uh for like on the pitch for your teammate um i don't don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to get on because if you've got winners in your team like they they'll they will get through situations and they will, uh, will win games but i think if you've got a team um, that really, really enjoy themselves and, and love spending time together, um, which is very similar to the to the Wickham team now. Like that, it's a, it's it's a fantastic dressing room. All the boys will will go above and beyond for each other. And I think that out of the two teams I've kind of uh, throughout my career, the like the Peter team and this Wickham team are the, the two teams that have kind of had the best dressing rooms and and are having had the best like the best success. So when we had um, Darren McCanty on the pod recently, obviously he was full of praise for you, as you'd expect. However, he did say, which shocked us with your work rate, he said that you were one of the worst trainers. Are you having any of that? Is that is that nonsense? Uh, no, I, I know where he, I do. Like, yeah, I understand where he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not, it's not that I'm the worst. No, yeah, I probably was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't attempting to be the worst trainer. I was just like. I I train and I do I do all the right things and I would work hard, um, but it was always for me it was always like just be ready for a Saturday, 
um like saturday was like that's what you get paid for you get paid for t- to turn up on a saturday and and do do the business and like i i wouldn't i would never not work hard in training like that that's not me i'd always work hard it was just sometimes my like just things wouldn't go right for me or it would yeah i just there would just be certain times in training where i i wasn't great um to be fair he did say he said obviously you saved yourself for the saturday and when you're scoring goals on a saturday it doesn't yeah. matter what you like in the week <laughs> um, but obviously that that maybe contributed to why other managers obviously fergie saw past that but other managers weren't so keen yeah no no that is that, that could be a reason i think like that you do have players who train well and don't play well on a saturday and you have players who don't train well and play well on a saturday i don't like i don't think you should take players just by their their training alone because as i said like you get paid to to turn up at a game on a saturday and that that's the most important important part of it so maybe managers like in the past and and up till now maybe have looked at my training and maybe thought that like it's not up to to the point where it should be and and as i said i'm not that kind of person who will, who will just jog around and 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 not train well just because I don't want to, like, I will put everything I can into training. It's just like, I think the, the the adrenaline I get from a game is very, very hard to replicate what I went in training. So it's hard to kind of do what I do on a Saturday every day in training. Um, so uh, yeah, it was, it, I, as I say, I'd always try hard. It was just a case of like, get be ready for Saturday. That was, that was always my mentality. You watch, you'll you'll be paranoid now, and you'll absolutely smash your next training session with Wickham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm gonna have to see how he managed to say I'm not a great trainer now. <laughs> <laughs> Prove him wrong. You did um, training good or not? You did manage to make it to international level. So obviously, you got your debut against Brazil. You won a penalty against Spain. You also scored in the the qualifiers against Liechtenstein. How? Uh, was that in terms of an experience making it to the top how is international football as a footballer how was that whole package for you yeah no I loved it I loved every minute of it like getting to go kind of around the world playing against these amazing teams against these amazing players um, I loved every minute like I was very very lucky to to be able to represent Scotland seven times um, it, it was it was amazing obviously like to my debut to get called up but to be in, in League One still and, and be called into the Scotland squad was just was mind blowing. Just like and then, kind of to know that I was going to be playing against like Brazil was just like it, it was a bit surreal. And I think walking into the hotel to meet the Scotland squad is probably the ner- most nervous I've ever been um, walking into a place because these are all like Premier League players and like top top Championship players and. This is like where you aspire to be. So to to walk in and to have all the, like the Scotland tracksuit on and then actually get on the pitch to play against Brazil was just yeah. To, it was just kind of like this. This is where I, I want to be. This is these. This is the kind of games and kind of atmospheres I want to be playing in. Did you have confidence in your own ability though? Did you feel like you didn't deserve to be there, or that because you were in League One that you weren't good enough, or did you know that you were good enough to fit into that squad? Again, I think I was just I was still. I just acted naive. I just didn't I, like. I didn't care what people thought of me. I didn't care like if I was like not what they thought I was. Like I, I didn't want to go in there and and think oh look there's like Darren Fletcher and he's going to be thinking this of me and that of me. Like I, I I just didn't care. I just went in there. I was like I was I was just so happy and excited to be there. And I was like 
like if this is like one game, then I've I've got that opportunity to play one game. So even going on a pitch, I, I would just take it. I'd never think, oh, we're playing Brazil or or these are the, the like the I don't know Spanish defenders or whatever. It was just like these are these are just other players that I'm playing against, and I'm just going to go out and do the best I can do. Um, and that's that's all I can do. I can only give the best I can give, and if it's not quite good enough, then that that's that's just the way it is. Yeah. Right. See, it's the only time in my life I've ever watched seven Scotland games. Oh, <laughs> 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 I think all posh fans are glued to it. Before your um, debut against Brazil, I swear, posh didn't they have a game the night before? Yeah, played Bristol Rovers away. Um, on was it Bristol Rovers or was it might be MK? One of the two. And it was the uh, yeah, it was a, it, we played that, and then I, th- that evening I travelled down, or that morning I travelled down to the to the squad, and it was I think in Canary Wharf, and it was yeah, as I said, it was the most nervous I've ever been, just kind of walking into it, like they were all having lunch as well, so like to go into a room of all these players, and, oh, and, and, and <laughs> that's that's terrible in any circumstance, let alone joining up with the national squad yeah but they were great like they were they were all really like uh made it really really easy that to settle in they all like chatted away to me um so they made it so easy to, to fit in so it was never like oh like we're the we're premier league players or like obviously because i qualified through my nan it wasn't like oh you're you're not you're you're like you're english basically and you, you were just jumping on the bandwagon like they were they were they they took me in to the squad so it was it made it so much easier just to to fit in and actually feel really at ease just going going to play there and from from playing at league one level to then playing you know you played away in spain didn't you things like that it must have been a huge step up but like you say an amazing experience alongside that yeah i'd like to because i think that that uh this, just before the spain game you played Liechtenstein. Um, and I think Kenny Miller was meant to play, and then he and he was struggling, and and then I got a call up to to start the game, and I was just like I was absolutely buzzing um, to to do that, and obviously there was a bit of pressure as well because we had to win the game to kind of take it to the Spain game to see if we could qualify. So to to score in that game was just was just amazing, and obviously to go to Spain uh, in Spain and kind of step on the pitch, and you've got kind of Carlos Puyol, Ramos, Busquets, like these. Like players you see on Sky Sports playing in the like El Clasico and stuff like that, it was just like it was just amazing, and it was just kind of like just give it everything you've got, like just play like you normally play, and, and basically just be a pain in the ass to these like the these best players in the world, just like see if you can cause them problems, and it was just yeah, it was just so much fun. I just I just I think I, I just relaxed so much in in, in that Spain game. But I did after 20 minutes. I was thinking about coming off because it was so hot, and I've never played in heat like that. After about 20, 30 minutes, I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> so I was like, and I was really like struggling to say like, oh, should I put my hand up and say I've got to come off because I'm too hot, or do I just carry on going and pass out? So I was like, oh, I'm, like I'm just going to keep going. And, and lucky enough, got to half time, got a massive like wet towel over my head, and just like curled up in the corner with this wet towel wrapped around me and. Lucky enough, coming out second half, it had cooled down loads and it just made it a, like, a lot easier to, to play. But yeah, it, it, it was a That's a good point, though, because um, obviously playing in England and, and the rate you play your football at, you, you're not used to that kind of weather. And, yeah. and to try and replicate that style when it's boiling up, like you say, must have been hard work. Yeah, it was like, like you say, like, it was, there must have, it was what, I think 30 odd thousand. And it was, it was quite late. It must have been eight o'clock, maybe nine o'clock. 
but obviously with the heat and, and the amount of people in the stadium, like it was just like that you could just feel the heat within the ground. So it kind of sh- shocked me a bit. And as you say, the way I play, it was like, I was just, it was, I was just getting hotter and hotter and hotter and I couldn't get over to the touchline even to get a drink. So my mouth was getting drier and drier. And I was like, this is, this, this could turn out to be awful. <laughs> I'm scratching for water listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, obviously, Aaron McLean, he's, he's gone into coaching at Posh. Is that is coaching so much you want to do when, when you do hang up your boots? Um, I'm, I'm looking into it. I was meant to do my coaching basis this year, but obviously that, that's just been uh, put to the side with everything that's going on. Um, I think it's something I will do. Um, I don't know whether I will do what Aaron's doing and like first team coach and stuff. Um, but you never know. I, ne- I didn't really know that Aaron would do something like that, but he's obviously done it and done fantastically well. Um, I, I do I like the striking coach inside of it, so I don't know whether I'd kind of go off on my own and, and train strikers or whether I, I would do that in a team. Um, but it's something I'm going to do just so I've got it. So if I do want to do that once I finish, then then it's there to do. Yeah, he was. Uh, he when we were talking to him, he was also very surprised that he'd ended up in coaching. It was almost like a, an opportunity presented itself, and he, uh, he he thought he'd give it a crack. And obviously, as a club, we're we're glad he did. Any other? It must be difficult as a footballer because your career obviously takes you through to mid thirties, and I suppose you're focusing so much on it at the time. You don't want to think past that. But where you are now, and and obviously you know looking forward to the future is there anything else that that does interest you in the game so obviously you've done some podcasts in lockdown does, does getting into the media interest you at all um a little bit i, I, I don't mind do, doing that side of it um I'm, I'm more like it's always been for me it's been like the one percent how i can get the one percent out of myself to, to make me better um so I, I feel like i'm going more down that route of kind of um it's kind of, say like functional training, uh, maybe like the mentality side. Um, that that area is how where I feel like I, I get drawn to uh, more than kind of like the media and and coaching. Um, I, th- I think it's just as I said that for me it's always been just get if I can get one percent out of me, then that, that kind of puts that pushes me a bit further. And then the next time I train, if I get another one percent, and if I can help people do that and unlock those little one percents then i think like that would i feel i'd feel happy doing that i think this is something i've always been in you know wanting to ask a professional footballer and someone who's played at international level and high level domestically um obviously in your later stages of your career now and um, what part of your game or if, or your body like decline as you get older and you know start declining as, as a footballer um I probably like probably accelerations and like your your probably acceleration off the mark. I'd say is uh, like more than is the the main thing I've noticed. And obviously, I think I've had because I've had kind of two major injuries as well. I think especially after my first one at Brighton, that definitely took like what I was very good at, which was like off the mark sharpness and stuff like that. So I've had to really really like work at my game. Um, around that because that was kind of my asset. I was so quick off the mark and I was so, I could judge things so quickly. Um, it always put me in great positions. So I think like, as you get older, I think that's probably the one thing that you find is it starts to go a little bit is that, that acceleration and um, maybe that kind of um, explosiveness. Um, 
but other than that, I think your your brain your like is always your brain is always working and your brain is always switched on. I think it's just sometimes your your body can't do what your brain is telling it to do. So it's it's hard. It's it's, 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 it's a difficult situation as you get older. I was about to say that must be quite frustrating because your brain wants to do it, but maybe your, your body's not quite where it was. Yeah, I think like it's it's not like a drastic scale. It's not like a huge uh like huge decline it's just kind of like that couple of percent that can make a little bit of a difference you you, you might be like two or three percent not as sharp and your, your body and brain might be not on the same wavelength but like only like a split second but obviously those those are quite big um jumps uh in kind of comparison to like where you were at your prime to where you are as you get older yeah as you look back Craig what's your biggest regret for your career uh, biggest regret, um, probably not. Uh, so when I was at Brighton, so being at Peterborough, as I said to you before, like previously, I was always I was naive and I didn't care what people thought, and I just played football my way and just did did what I needed to do. And then when I joined Brighton, I think allowing the price tag of what I'd gone for, um, maybe obviously coming off the season I had as well, scoring thirty five goals, I probably let the pressure and the expectation of everyone else overrun my, what I should have been expecting of myself and just being naive Craig and just played. And I think I took myself too seriously. I think I took the price tag too seriously. I think I took uh, the what I should be achieving uh, at that club like too much. I didn't just take it kind of day for day and appreciating that I moved to this club and they paid this much money for me. It was just, yeah, I just I just think I took myself too seriously and I should have just carried on being naive Craig and not worrying about what people think and if it goes well, it goes well, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. I think I worried it too much in, oh, what well, if it doesn't go well, then what people are going to say. So I think that's the, my biggest regret is and that, that side of my mentality because I think if I'd have changed that, I think I would have been a lot bigger success than I actually was. I think if you come into a club as an unknown and then you know hit the ground running it's a lot easier isn't it but you've come in as you say from an amazing season where you was on fire 35 goals again a big price tag and going into a club with a lot of ambition it's only natural that that pressure you know is going to weigh heavy on your shoulders yeah just the expectation I think I I think I allowed the expectation to to run away uh with it and 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 obviously people like said what a great season I had before and I'm, I'm the most expensive signing they've ever had and I think like as I said, instead of just being naive and, and kind of dismissing it all, and I kind of allowed it to build up and build up and fester. And then when you start going through a little goal drought, then it's then you you kind of you allow these things to play in your head. Whereas at Peterborough, it, it was kind of like I, I didn't listen to kind of oh he's missed another chance or he's missed another chance or hasn't scored. I was just I was just like I've missed a chance. So what? I'll just get on with it and I'll score again and at some point. But I think with Brighton, it was just a case of, oh, I haven't scored, I haven't scored. And then it just kind of, it just snowballed from there. And at that level as well, you you, you don't get as much opportunity. It's like, it's only a few games you can get where you can't, you don't start scoring and then other people come in and start taking your place. So there's all these different pressures that were there. And as I said, I, instead of kind of not taking them on and just batting them away, I took them all internally. And I think that's what probably played a part in as I said mean maybe not being as successful as I could have been is the step up from league one to the championship as as big as professionals say it is um 
it, it, it's getting bigger. It, I think the time I, I was there, it was it was fairly big, but it wasn't massive. I think the wages weren't like uh, as uh, astronomical as they are now. Um, but there is a, there is a big difference. All the clubs now, like are basically, I think almost all of them, bar a couple maybe, actually have been in the Premier League. Every uh, most of the players are on a good amount of money. A lot of them have got Premier League international experience. Um, so it is it is a big jump. The like the the, the budgets in the clubs are are, are huge now. Um, you said like ten years ago, you, who would have said Wayne Rooney would have been playing in the Championship? It's 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 a it's a it's a yeah, the, the gap is, is widening a little bit, but again, the clubs that are coming down from the championship are obviously making League One stronger. So um, I don't know, the divide might might close slightly. Fingers crossed if we ever get back up there, hopefully it's not, it isn't going to be so gigantic. But you're right in saying that you, you would never see a player like Wayne Rooney in the championship, but the championship is... Um, it's, it's one of the most watched leagues around the world, isn't it? I, I read that the other day and it's, it's a true stat and hopefully Posh will get back there one day. It's interesting because obviously the, the Premier League, you've got the, the five teams, six teams that you know are going to be the top six and then the rest are fighting it out just for um, kind of Europe and stuff like that. Whereas the Championship, you like any one of those teams can get promoted. Um, so I think it just makes it more exciting. There's a lot like teams... Um, probably don't defend as much as they do in the Premier League. Like if you're going to a Liverpool or a Man City, like you're going to set up like defensively. Whereas I think all Championship teams, most of them really, they all they all go out to win the games whoever they're playing. So I think it makes for an, a lot more a, a exciting division. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Back back to posh, Craig. Um, yeah. What's the best? Who is the best posh player you ever played with? Oh. Uh, let me just say Aaron, just in case you hear like literally listen. <laughs> so, yeah, I mentioned him. Um, wow, cool. uh, I'd say like Boydie and Lee Tomlin are both are both up there. Like the, just the ability on the board. See, Boydie played for the Premier League for many years. Um, he was just on on his day. He was just unbelievable. He always reminded me of like Matt Letizia. He just. He just glided, chop people. He could score left, right foot. He'd just do unbelievable things with the ball. Um, and then Tomo was just again Tomo. Like you're seeing his quality now at Cardiff. Um, I think he's got the quality to play in the Premier League. Um, and again, he was just fantastic on the ball. Some of the things he could do um, on the ball was 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 amazing. So I think those two like were right up there um, with two two of the best I've played at the club. Um, but there, there are so many good players like, from the teams that I've played in that a lot of them have gone on to play on a very, very high standard of football. And it's it's just a, a great testament to, to that team of, of how good it was. Do you want me, me and the other lads on this podcast? Obviously, our favourite posh players are yourself, McLean, McCann, players like that. And then mm. and then Tim, he, he seems you've got this obsession with Exodus, uh, Gio Hagen. Big X was, and Craig, back me up here. Big X was <laughs> underrated. What a unit that man. He had was. a great throw. He had a fantastic throw. <laughs> that's, where, that's where it ends. Oh, God. Do you know, I was watching the highlights back of um, Craig, you scored in it. And the. And yeah, I think you scored in it. Uh, the Cardiff four-four game when we come back from from four-nil down, and a big X played in that, so he obviously played his part. Yeah, he like he he done well. He came in at, like at a really difficult time, to be honest. Like at, at the in the championship, I think maybe two under Mark Cooper, maybe it might have been. 
yeah. There was a lot of lot of ups and downs, and obviously, like he he was given his chance in the championship, and he he done he done the best he could. Like he, I think he scored a couple of goals, and it, yeah, no, like. He, he was a good lad, so... Do you know what, Craig, that was... You should go into media. That was the most professional answer you could have given on that one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, just touching on that Cardiff game, before we move on to the listener questions, again, I was watching the, the full highlight package of the night, and it said, um, what must have Mark Cooper said? What 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 did Mark Cooper say at half-time to get that reaction? And I think, I'm not sure it was your interview with Posh YouTube or, or Boydie, but you said that he wasn't actually in the dressing room. I, I honestly, I, I can't remember like the the halftime talk. To be honest, and I, I knew we were we, we were we weren't playing great. Um, and uh, but again, like when the, the, that team, the, like all the team that that era, is just like you never we never knew when we were beat. Um, and I think that like the, the previous kind of seasons, always playing to the London Road end, it was it was we just knew if we would get one goal, like. We'd get another, and and it just the, the the pressure would just snowball. So like there was obviously there was many games like that where we'd be losing two three nil at half time, and we'd end up winning the games five three and stuff like that. So it was it was a uh, it never it never surprised me like if we were four nil down and we'd end up drawing four. I always like I always believed we could come back no matter what the deficit was. I think it was the last last minute. I think I I crossed the ball in the last minute, and it, was it Aaron? Aaron might have scored the equaliser. Um, or someone, I think, scored the equaliser. I, I think Josh Simpson was it. Yeah, yeah, it might have been. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, as I said, like, it was just that was just a typical team. Like it didn't matter how many goals we were behind. If we, we were playing to the London Road end, we always believed we'd, we'd get however many goals we needed. Mm. There was a bit of a bit of magic, weren't there, under the lights at London Road, especially the Tuesday night games. I just think that. And when we was in the Championship and League One, you, you just felt that we were, you know, we had such a good chance in, even if we was two 0 behind, that we would get some out of the game. Yeah, it, it was. It, I used to love being there. Like I say, like and the, the teams we play played in, it was just like being at home. We always knew we were going to score goals. Like we, we were always. It was always expected. We were always expected to score. It was. Ne- there was never times. I don't. I don't feel anyway when we'd go into games and we were like, oh, is this going to be tough or? This is this is going to be a hard game. It was always like, how many goals can we score? Like we knew we were going to concede the other end, so it was always like, how many can we score to keep ourselves keep ourselves conceding them? So um, it was always yeah, it was always fun. It was I always loved being being under the lights there. Mm. One question I've got, Craig, and this is off script, so we'll make our producer go white with panic with what's coming next. Um, <laughs> We've we've got a lot of uh, larger than life characters in the boardroom at Posh, uh, and obviously you've got a family connection and and spent many a Christmas with uh, a certain Barry Fry. Yeah. What is he like? Is he is he the person that we see in the media, or is he different when he's away from the club and away from the cameras? Um, he's a little bit more relaxed away from the cameras. He, he can still have his outburst. He can still go from zero to a hundred in in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's 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 a bit more relaxed. Uh, away away from football, um, um, but he's, yeah, he's been he's been a, a great person to have around for me personally. Like the experience, the the, the stuff I can talk to him about. Um, obviously, he's he, he loves the club uh, massively, and, and he, he's always he always talks about it. So we have we have great chats about it. We, whenever I see him, I always want to know what's going on, and he's always uh, he always talks to me about the situations and stuff like that. So 
I'm very lucky to, to to have him in my life, really, as I say, with the experience that he's got. And if I need to speak to someone about something, I, I've always got him to, to go to. That Peterborough move worked out quite well for you off the field as well as on then, didn't it, really? Well, I don't know. No, it didn't work well for me. It worked well for my missus, I think. <laughs> <laughs> nice to say. I didn't, I didn't realise I signed a contract for football and a, uh, a marriage contract at the same time. <laughs> That's why it took you so long. Yeah, I know. I had to, I had to wait up. It was, yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah, sense. An, an interesting deal. You can revisit <laughs> the biggest regret question if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I can't say it too loud because she'll, she'll kill me. I'm going to make sure we share. The, I'm going to. I'm going to make sure she gets the link, Craig. I'm going to yeah. share the link. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, we've had some listener questions. Um, I'll rattle through these, Craig. So Rob Green says, do you still have tuna lasagna when training? I remember when Craig was originally at Posh, he said in an interview he had tuna lasagna. It's been my favourite meal since and I love it, and so does my lad, but I often get some funny remarks. So do you still have tuna lasagna when training? Um, I, I don't have it in, like, before training and stuff. I, I have it now and then. Um, uh, it was It is one of my favourite meals, um, and, and my kids love it as well. So it was always, And it was always one I could make um like like go to easy meal tuna lasagna was was pretty pretty simple so it was and it it, it tasted nice it sounds weird but yeah it does actually taste nice so yeah no not not recently i might have to kind of show the kids that i can actually cook and that's and see what they like they properly think of it Craig McCall-Smith, the next tv chef yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. Yeah. Stainsby says, looking back, what is your standout moment at Posh? Uh, wow, um, it's been a lot, hasn't there? There's been yeah, so many. I think the the playoff final is probably my favourite. Just I think just because of like that that season, like how how well we did. I think like the game itself as well. We were it was a really really tough like tight game obviously like Huddersfield were, were, were big favourites and obviously they brought a lot of a lot of fans with a lot of t-shirts and <laughs> it was it was uh yeah it was just like it just it was just, just a typical Peterborough display of like being under like a bit of pressure and and say being nil-nil and then all of a sudden scoring three goals in seven minutes it was just it was just very apt that we that's how we we finished winning the, the playoffs yeah, along those lines, Hondo McLean says, "What is the best moment in your entire career? So not just posh, but in your career as a whole." Probably representing Scotland. Um, I think either the um, the debut um, against uh, Brazil or the um, the Spain game, like getting to kind of be the main striker and having the responsibility to try and get Scotland into a um, a tournament. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that would be the highlight of most people's careers, to be fair, and, and being able to say that you've played against the likes of Brazil and Spain. Um, Carlos Puyo, you mentioned earlier on, what was he like to play against? What Was he was he as good as he appears to be? How was he to face up against? He, 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 was, he was good, but the, the, again, as I said, like, at that time, I was so... I was just naive. I didn't care who I was playing against, and it, and I knew it was Carlos Puyol, and I knew it, I think the back four was Ramos, Puyol, PK, and Jordi Alba, and just my mentality was like, I don't care who you are, I don't care who you play for, this is going to be the hardest game you're going to play, and it was just like I, I just gave him every, everything I could give him, and um, I think I, I think I did pretty well. So I won a won a penalty, and, and I caused him a lot of problems, but 
like they're they they're world world class players. You can just like see that like where where they position their body, what what position they're in when the ball's being played. Like even the centre halves, like their touch on the ball. Um, it was just like it's just amazing to watch because it it kind of just give you an insight into like what the best players in the world do would be doing every week, week in, week out. So it just kind of give me that kind of show me the standard you'd have to be at to to be a Barcelona or a Real Madrid player. Did you get his shirt? I got a PK shirt. Nice. That's not a bad. I'd be quite happy with that. I'd get that on eBay. Um, Brian, a Notts County fan's been on, says, what was it like at Meadow Lane during those last few months in the Football League? Uh, it, it was amazing. It, it's a, an, a, an amazing club. Um, fantastic fan base. Like the, the first, I think the first two home games I played were Lincoln at home and Mansfield at home. And there was 12,500 for both of those games. And it was just like an immense, immensely supported club for a team that was kind of bottom of the league at the time. Um, they, 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 they are a, a great club and it's just like, I did everything I could. I tried my best. Uh, I went there because I wanted to help. Um, and with 20 minutes to go on the last day of the season, we, we looking good to be safe. And then obviously it kind of, it didn't work out like that. So I'm glad that obviously with the history and, and the size of the club and stuff, like they've ended up in the conference, but um, I think maybe in, in the long run, they've obviously got new owners now, like they, they've got to rebuild. So hopefully that, that will help them and put them in, in good shape to kind of get promoted out of the conference and, and back into the Football League. Yeah, no, I was always, I'm always uh, interested with County. I'm certainly more of a fan of County than I'm Forrest. Um, Riley, we touched on this earlier, but Riley's uh, question is, uh, have you got any plans to return to Peterborough in some capacity? Um I'd like to in the future. I, I don't know what capacity that would be. Obviously, you say like, I love I love the club, um, and I'd love to be part of it in in some respect. I, I don't know what that would be. Um, as I say, I still feel there's a lot left in me to carry on playing. Um, so you just have to kind of see uh, where the club is um, and and what the situation is in in the, the time I I decide to to hang my boots up really. Mm, that's fair enough and then not so much a, a question just to end here this is a comment really uh, Donna Mason from Wyville Garden Centre in Crowden Centre <laughs> yeah I remember you remember uh, do you know what there's an anecdote here and I know that Jared's going to jump in because uh, he's so, he's so desperately wants me he's, he's, he's so desperately wants me to record his tale so Craig, when Peterborough Garden Park at I first opened, <laughs> yeah, you you and Amber uh, were there. Um, you were just looking around, and at the time, I was working in the aquatic shop that was there. And yeah. you walked past, and I recognised you, and I came out and asked for a picture. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you remember. I'm yeah, no, no, I do. I do. Oh, just... as if. Oh, please tell me you don't remember, and please don't tell me you remember. The, you got the restaurant, and then you walk around the side of the restaurant, and then there's a little like gap in there into the. Fit, uh, the fish face and, and uh, yeah and you, you you came out into that area I, I yeah. did, there's loads of like um uh coats and jackets and stuff as well around there yeah and uh so i you know being slightly starstruck at the time i was i was much younger to be fair just after amber had taken a picture of you and i i was yeah. it was it was in the off season and i said oh i hope you're gonna have a good season you hope you're gonna score you know lots of goals like 10 and to this day i regret saying that because i think that was the season when you went on to score 35 and why 10 i mean 10 would be disappointing and to be fair to you you handled it really well and you just went well i'd hope i get more than 10 um you know you say stuff sometimes and you just think why did i say that that was one of those moments so i'm glad that i've had the chance to um that's right, that's to right. Kind of write that wrong and show you that i do actually know 
something about football. I've been carrying that for the last uh, many years. <laughs> yeah. You've been telling everyone about that. I'm going to bed now. But this lot oh, have right. been taking the piss out of me since I mentioned that. They've not let me forget that at all. Yeah, but you say you say when you was much younger, you look 15 years older than Craig. That's 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 what threw. And I'm younger, which is is the worrying thing. But then, to be fair, Craig is an Adonis of a man, and, and I live off McDonald's and takeaways, so it's not really a surprise. Well, you'll have made um, Donna Mason's night because uh, she she made sure that we were getting that on the script, and uh, the fact that you remember should be well chuffed with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I do, I do. <laughs> Brilliant. One memory that I've got of you is is when we were playing County, ironically, but you were still a posh player. Um, and it was the, the final whistle had just gone, and there was an, an almighty scuffle on the touchline. I don't know if you remember this, but yeah, there yeah. was literally everybody. There was the physio, the kit man, everybody was involved. It's massive ruckus, um, and obviously the you know the crowd's kind of baying and, and getting in. And then out of this massive ruckus, you just walked out, applauding the crowd because it was the end of the game. And that's always stuck with me because it just showed that you weren't going to get involved in all of that. You just wanted to play the game and then appreciate the fans at the end of it. And while they're all in there kind of, you know, pushing their handbags about, you're just applauding the crowd. Um, it's always stuck with me. I don't know if you remember that game or remember yeah, that. 4-2, was it, I think? Yeah, it wasn't. It, it was, I, I can't remember the whether it was league or cup or anything like that. I just remember that memory of you not getting involved and just removing yourself from the situation. The thing is, I think because we, we lost, like... It, it, that was what I was. I didn't really care about the handbags. Like they, they, there was enough people there to sort it out. Like me flying in is not going to make much difference. So it was just a case that like I was. I think I was just annoyed that we'd lost the game. Um, I think some of the few of their players were giving it a lot of like a, like mouth during the game as well. So it was just like I didn't want to get involved. Like and and I always wanted to appreciate that like the, the supporters like. They at the end of the day, they they make football. They make the football club. They they come and support us. So if, if we didn't have supporters, really, like it, it wouldn't be much of a game. So um, I've always been kind of, as I said, I'm 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 not going to come in and change a scuffle. It's like I'm not like uh, an Akin Fenwa who's who's going to make a difference. Like, um, <laughs> so I, I always just kept myself to, that on the edge of it, and that whether that makes me a, a, a good teammate, not getting involved, or a bad teammate, I don't know. So. Well, it, it won respect from not just me, but everybody around me, just the fact that you weren't willing to get involved in all that. Um, one thing as well, I've always wondered, growing up, um, and I know you have to be careful with how you answer certain questions, but what team did you support as a child? I was a, a Watford fan. Yeah, I know so, you grew up local to Watford, didn't you? Yeah, I was born in the hospital next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to lots of um, lots of the games, obviously, up until I was 16. And then uh, when I started playing football for St. Albans, I had to stop. But, um, yeah, I was always a Watford fan. I keep an eye on now, but I think the club's changed a lot. And it's a, it's a lot different to, to when I was younger. So um, just because it's my hometown, I'll always just keep an eye out for, for their results. Hmm. No, fair enough. Tim, we can't let this pop. We can't let me let me wrap this podcast up without telling the story about when you watch Craig buy a fish. No, well, that was that was the um, because so yeah, so there was it was when you were that was the the when the Garden Park opened and yeah, and we've just had that embarrassing story and then I saw you in Wyvale a few times, which I guess goes hand in hand with Donna because I used to then work in the aquatics part of Wyvale when you were in Crowland and yeah, I often saw you kind of wandering around um, there. It was just really surreal because I'd watch and I don't use the word idolise, but I'd watch and. Process. You, you watched him picking the fish and then buying the fish. You, yeah. you, you it was always, 
it was a great little village. Like, uh, yeah, it was, no, it's a wonderful. It, little it was place. a great garden center, and like, because again, like, it, I'd like I'm like a, I'm a, like a quiet person. I like nature. I like all that side of it. Um, for some weird reason, I actually like I like garden centers, and it's just nice to just like go and just walk around them. They're, they're pretty quiet. Um, I, I like gardening. Um, that's probably why I worked in a garden center and uh, at the home base and stuff. So. It was always just nice. It was just a night like there's, there's just you just find weird stuff at garden centres as well. So it's always interesting. Yeah. Do you know if we if we don't get a sponsor off Wild our Garden Centre after this, <laughs> yeah, but they've closed, so you won't be able to. That's the problem. <laughs> they changed name, haven't they? They're not. They're, yeah, they're... I bet you didn't anticipate we'd be discussing the finer points of garden centre. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I knew it'd come back to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Yellow Block and thanks to everyone who has sent in questions for Craig. Sorry we couldn't get them all answered. Um, massive thanks to Craig McCasmith for joining us. No worries, I just really, really enjoyed it. Quality. Yeah, we just need, so, to sort out, we need to sort out Boydie now. So we've had uh, the entire Holy Trinity on. It's, it's, I love hearing the stories Agent of that Craig. period. In our, and what, sorry? Agent Craig. He's, he, we have to, we have yeah, exactly. No, I wasn't saying I'd like, make it happen. I just, I love hearing stories of that time because it was such a wonderful time for the club that, I don't know, just hearing stories about, you know, kind of like the early 2010s, it, it's just, mm, it's just I mean, good. Like, for us, it was amazing because like, we were pretty similar ages. Like, we'd all kind of move in at our home. We all lived in the same area. Um, like, we were it was a fantastic team like I, we, I said we we party together we'd, we'd sometimes we'd go out all like most of the, the days during the week and then we'd turn up on a Saturday and we'd tear it up it was just like it was just the mentality of that team and that time was just like it was just so much fun to play in who was the biggest lightweight when it comes to drinking me <laughs> <laughs> me it'd take me uh, like I would never really drunk so like if I had one I'd just I'd literally be out of it, it was, and but it was like Boydie was just a machine that Boydie would drink, it'd get carried out, and then the next day in training, he'd win the running, and it was just like, (laughs) it was was just unbelievable. I I couldn't get my head around it, because it was like, I I could not drink, turn up at training, and be ready to go, and he'd still beat me, and it was just like, (laughs) it'd be demoralising. It's such a wonderful time at at our club, though, that was, that was... Yeah, it was doing fantastically well, obviously, this season, to miss out, it was, it's just, it's just a shame how it's kind of the season's ended, really. Like there's, there was ten games to go, thirty points, so much to play for. Like there's what eight teams, nine teams who still had an opportunity to to do to do something, get into the playoffs, get in the automatic. Um, obviously, the club was was flying at that point. It, it's just it's just a shame. It's just a shame that was there was nothing kind of put in. Um, like there was something that would uh, help with this situation beforehand. Like, I know. You, yeah. You, you say this is kind of it's unprecedented, but also you've got to think. On the other hand, you need to really realise that that something could stop the season. So how are you going to? How is it going to be finished if that happens? So yeah, it's a rant that, that I've had on this pub many times. That it just still amazes me that that wasn't in place. That there was no planning for if football couldn't play. It's just bizarre. You'd have, you'd have, a, you'd have a bit more as a, as a chairman, as a manager, as a player. You'd know like. Shit, like if the season gets finished now, like yeah. where, this is where it's going to put us. So, like, you might have like one or two games left in it, and you that, that then you'd have a bit more of an understanding. Like, right, if we win these two, this could like really make a big difference. Mm-hmm. You think, like, with 10 games to go, you're still thinking, right, like we could have a great little run here, and, and it would push us right out of the division. So, um, yeah, it's been really, really difficult, like, I think for some clubs, and it's obviously been beneficial for, for others, and it's just. 
it, you, you can't make everyone happy. It's really, it's, a, it's a, such a, a hard situation. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at The Yellow Block. Like us on Facebook, Facebook forward slash The Yellow Block. And you can now follow us on Instagram. We are new to it, at The Yellow Block Podcast. Tune in to our final episode of the 2019-20 season, which will feature our take on voiding the League One season, The Yellow Block's end of season awards and The Posh Report on iTunes, Acast and Spotify. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.